On this episode of This Week in Linux, we've got a lot of great news with a bunch of app releases. We've got new releases from Krita, FFmpeg, Strawberry Music Player, Native Fire, which if you haven't heard of that, that's a really cool desktop app that creates, it basically creates desktop apps from web apps. And we have a lot more. We've also got some news from Pine64 about a new community edition for the Pine phone, which is the post-market OS project edition. Later in the show, we'll check out some distro news from TrueNAS, aka FreeNAS, and Elementary OS. Then we'll round out the show with some looks at the latest Humble Bundles available, and all that much more coming up. I'm Michael Tonell with Tux Digital and the Destination Linux Network, and this is your weekly source for Linux Good News. This episode of This Week in Linux is sponsored by DigitalOcean. DigitalOcean offers the simplest, most developer-friendly cloud platform. It's optimized by managing and scaling apps easy with an intuitive API, multiple storage options, integrated firewalls, load balancers, and more. And DigitalOcean is not just a sponsor of this. I'm also a very big fan of it. I am a, a customer for DigitalOcean. And in fact, I recently set up a NextCloud instance that I could use for calendar and tasks management and all kinds of stuff. And I am loving it so far. It's actually kind of interesting because I have known about NextCloud for a very long time and I didn't really put that much attention to it, admittedly, for a very long time, even having multiple people tell me I should try it out. And I did try it out for the file syncing, but that's pretty much all I tried it with. And then now recently for the past couple of weeks, I've kind of like been trying to move as much workflow to Nextcloud as possible. And turns out a lot of stuff can be done with it. And I am loving the experience so far. I mean, there are things that could be improved, of course, but the actual, the fact that I can self-host my task management, my calendar, my context, my files, all this stuff is just awesome. It is just fantastic, and I am loving the fact that I can just set up a DigitalOcean droplet easily with like for just $5 a month and get started super quickly. And in fact, if you want to do the same thing and set up your own NextCloud instance, you can do that for free for two months by going to do.co slash DLN. And it's again, it's for free for two months. You get a $100 credit. I mean, you could set up a, a NextCloud DigitalOcean droplet, or you could do a bunch of different droplets and just try out things, or you could use their tutorials to learn things about the infrastructure of sysadmin stuff on servers. All sorts of stuff you can do including getting like these $50 type droplets or like, you know, you get through $200 credits. You could apply that to getting a gigantic droplet and just seeing how much power you could do with a server cloud infrastructure like DigitalOcean. Or you can have a bunch of different stuff just to play with different things. So all sorts of options. For me, I have multiple different droplets because there's NextCloud, there's a Kodi MD, all sorts of stuff that I think is awesome to be able to self-host. And DigitalOcean is a great way to do that. So if you again, if you want to get started with a $100 credit for free, go to do.co slash DLN. And thanks again to DigitalOcean for sponsoring This Week in Linux. First in the show this week is an awesome application that I'm a big fan of. I don't know how to use it that well, but I'm super happy that it exists and that it is as good as it is because the reason I don't know how to use it as well is because I haven't given enough time to actually learn all of the awesome stuff that it can do. I'm working on that, but... Krita 4.3.0 has been released, and the Krita Foundation says that they have more than 2,000 changes included in this one since the 4.2.9 release. And they said that we've spent the last the past year not just fixing bugs, even though we fixed over 1,000 issues, but we also have been busy adding cool stuff to play with. So 
those cool things that they they added first of all we got a new set of brush presets that evoke watercolor painting color mode in the gradient map filter has been added they have a brand new palletize palletize filter and they, a new high pass filter the high pass filter is really interesting because it doesn't seem like it be that you know valuable in terms of like what it does it's a sharpening tool or a sharpening filter but when you look at the comparison they have in the release notes it will show you like a grid of like what what it looks like without the sharpening or the high pass filter than what it looks like with it and it's a really good way to just increase the quality of the drawing that will compensate for weird things that when you upload to these like file image sharing websites that do these compression things it kind of like it was it's meant for compensating for that which is pretty cool that they did that they've also extended the scripting api it's also now possible to adjust the opacity and lightness of a colored brush tip separately they have created an animated brush tips option that's you can select brush along multiple dimensions it's possible to put the canvas area on a different window on its own which is great because, for example, on, on a multi-monitor setup like I have, you can put, have all of your controls on one monitor and then have your images that you're working on on a different monitor. Or, you know, you can have like just your focus on that particular uh, workflow that you're doing rather than having all of the tools and everything all in one monitor, which is really, really nice and handy. And they've also added a new snapshot doc docker that stores states of your image. They've improved the color selector tools. They've improved uh, a bunch of other stuff, including like gradients. And they've added a new magnet sele uh, magnetic selection tool, which is very handy for image manipulation. I'm not really sure how valuable it would be in terms of painting new content, but in image manipulation, it's a magnetic tool is very useful. So be pretty cool to, you know, you could use Krita in that. I'm, I'm going to try out Krita in a image manipulation aspects because I am a graphic designer and marketing person so the the tools that I use are typically for image manipulation not necessarily creation like a painting tool like Krita so there are certain like overlaps that do work together but it's just like I need to put more effort into like testing out Krita because I already know how awesome it is but it's even more than I know so I need to kind of like transition my workflow a little bit and that's the part of scary is change is scary is what I'm saying anyway it's available, Krita 4.3 is available on a lot of different uh, operating systems, uh, Linux of course, but also on macOS and uh, Windows, even Android, which is really interesting because you could use like a stylus on the Android to draw, so like directly on the, the application, which is pretty interesting because in a, in a desktop, you in order to draw, you either use your mouse or use a, a, a drawing tablet, which are not actually tablets, they're just called tablets. But anyway, it's not a touchscreen tablet. I mean, technically, are tablets, but because they were they existed before the touchscreen tablets. But anyway, that's a different situation of like ter term confusion. Whatever, not relevant. They also added something that's cool for the Android app, which is Samsung Air gestures. So, like, they demonstrated in a video that you can change the color of a uh, brush by changing doing an air gesture of the of like the stylus, like going in a circle that will like move your stylus around a color wheel and that's pretty cool I'm, I'm not really sure how like how many features you can do with that stru that structure but it's a really cool idea that you can do that so if you're interested in checking out Krita I'll have links in the show notes below for the latest release so you can see the full show notes as well as a link to download and one of the best things about Krita is that if you're a Linux user you don't have to worry about checking your repos it is available as an app image so any system basically that you have 
you can use it with an app image, which is awesome. I think everybody should have a universal format, but that's a different topic that I will cover in the future. Up next in the show is FFmpeg 4.3 has been released. So FFmpeg, if you're not aware, is a command line tool for doing basically video encoding, audio encoding, and all kinds of stuff, really. It is a very powerful tool, and it is used in a lot of programs. For example, if you do anything with Caden Live, you are using FFmpeg in the back end. Now, you're also, depending on pretty much everything, really everything that's an audio editor or video editor is almost guaranteed to be using FFmpeg in some way, and FFmpeg is super powerful. It is really kind of ridiculous in terms of the syntax. You have to learn this ridiculous syntax to use it, which is why all those tools are fantastic to exist because they make it easier to use FFmpeg. But FFmpeg itself is a very important, valuable open source project because it provides a platform to build all those applications on. So that's why I like to cover FFmpeg every now and then when they have new releases. And in this particular release, they've added Vulkan support, which is awesome. They have the Linux Vulkan support that's using the AMF encoder, and that is now supported. Also, AV1 encoding support has been improved, and, and, and they also have, uh, have added new demuxers. For example, the AV1 Annex B demuxer, Argonaut Games ASF, uh, Real War K KVAG, Raymond 2 APM, and many, many more. There's actually quite a few d new demuxers in this particular release. They've also added new filters, like the, v the V360 filter, scroll video filter, photo sensitivity filter, bilateral filter, and many, many more. So there's a lot of really cool stuff, like uh, OpenC OpenCL visual stabilization has been added as a filter option. They've also added some WebP parser, which WebP is an image, uh, image format that's more of like a new open source style format and it's really, really good. They've added support for true handling, handling of true HD in MP4. Uh, they've added MP, MP, MPEG-H 3D audio support, VDPAU VP9 hardware acceleration. VP9 is a format for, or a codec for the, and it's an open source thing for WebM, like a, it's a video format. And anyway, lots and lots of stuff. FFmpeg is a fantastic tool. I use it basically every time I make some any production for my channel or for Destination Linux Network. Basically, anytime I make anything that re revolves in audio and video, I'm using FFmpeg in some way. Sometimes directly on the command line, sometimes through tools like Caden Live and etc. And I am a huge fan of FFmpeg. It is fantastic. It is actually kind of amazing how much it can do and the fact that it's an open source project. Um, just huge fan. So if you'd like to learn more about FFmpeg and the latest release of 4.3, I'll have a link to it in the show notes below. Up next in the show is some really awesome news from iX Systems. They announced that TrueNAS is coming to Linux. So if you're not familiar, TrueNAS is also known as FreeNAS because they were two different projects, but back in March, iX Systems announced that they were unifying FreeNAS and TrueNAS into TrueNAS 12 core and enterprise. So FreeNAS was their community-oriented NAS software, which was a very, very popular thing. The FreeNAS was probably the most suggested option for network-attached storage, which is what a NAS is, if you didn't know. And TrueNAS was what they shipped on their storage solutions when you bought products from iX Systems. So TrueNAS Core will fill the previous role of separate of the different, so it's like TrueNAS and then TrueNAS Core, or TrueNAS Enterprise and TrueNAS Core. So instead of the free NAS being community supported and open source, they're going to have a true a true NAS 
core that is community driven and open source. And the TrueNAS Enterprise will fill the that role of the previous version of the TrueNAS. And it's kind of have like like extra benefits of like uh, you know um, the, like doing this because they're merging it together. They already had like FreeNAS was very similar to TrueNAS in terms of like compatibility. They were very very close. But by doing this merge, they're actually making it even more close, which allows them to do faster development, improve the quality because they're they're doing less um, differences between the two. There's also possible to do uh, earlier hardware enablement and a lot of other things, especially considering that they're by using a different, like using the same brand, they don't have to worry about like doing much documentation changes because it doesn't seem like a lot. But when you have the uh, project name, two different names, you do have to make sure that when you refer to one, you have to be very specific about which one you're talking about. So it makes it a lot more you know, issues there. Also in the latest version of 12.0, there's going to be improvements to open ZFS 2.0 file system support. And that's not all because there is like the, well, the biggest thing here is the announcement of TrueNAS scale. I talked about that in the original intro to this topic, but uh, IX systems announced that they're working on TrueNAS scale, which stands for scaled out, converged, active Linux containers, easy to manage. That's a lot of effort to make it come out to scale because there's a lot of hyphens there to make that work. So, <laughs> but anyway, so the new edition of the TrueNAS software family is TrueNAS Scale, and this is based on, is a Linux-based system using Debian 11 or Bullseye as the project platform. So this is awesome because it's bringing the value of TrueNAS and FreeNAS. To, which was always based on FreeBSD or BSD in general. And BSD is great, sure. It's, it's fine. But Linux is, you know, the show is list this week in Linux. So obviously I'm a fan of Linux a little bit more than BSD. I mean, I respect what BSD is doing, but Linux and whatnot. So this is awesome because they they say that the development for scale being uh, uh, done for the remainder of 2020, and they have a plan release for 2021. The scale project doesn't change the plans for the continued support for development of TrueNAS core or enterprise. This is a separate thing. So they're going to be working on the free BSD version or the BSD version and also the uh, Linux version at the same time, which is very cool because it allows them to add different features and improvements to both sides, making it possible that you have a better uh, so serve option for servers using FFF, uh, ZFS through Linux, which I am super happy about because ZFS is a really cool file system. And we talk about it in Destination Linux a few times and also this this podcast as well, but uh, for like the ZFS on Linux and that kind of thing. But the biggest usage that I know of that is like the most popular tool for ZFS is FreeNAS. So that coming to Linux and you know doing the merge thing is very, very cool. So uh, Chris Moore, the VP of Engineering at IX Systems, said that FreeNAS has 90% the same software as TrueNAS, and TrueNAS Core can do everything FreeNAS does, and more, including some enterprise stuff. So this is basic. This is just a lot of great news from the IX System team. I am happy that they decided to merge the two projects of FreeNAS and TrueNAS, and I'm also happy that they're bringing TrueNAS to Linux. I mean, the acronym was a bit much, but... Still, very happy that it's coming to Linux. <laughs> if you'd like to learn more about this topic, I'll have a link to the forum post for the announcement in the show notes below.
Next in the show is some more great news from Pine64. It feels like we're talking about them all the time at this point. But Pine Phone announced, or Pine64 announced that the Pine Phone Postmarket OS Community Edition will be available for soon to order. And the if you didn't get a chance to get the Ubuntu Touch Community Edition in early April, now you can get Postmarket OS. And Postmarket OS is a security-oriented distribution for Linux Mobile based on Alpine Linux. And it supports more than 200 mobile devices, including the PinePhone. So this is really cool. The PinePhone, or the Postmarket OS, if you haven't if you haven't been familiar with it, it has support for a lot of different stuff. It also has different support for different interfaces, like for example, Plasma Mobile or Fosh. And Fosh is a phone shell running on top of various GNOME components. And it's developed by Purism for the Librem 5. And they have decided to use Fosh as the default op, uh, exper uh, experience inside of the PinePhone uh, Postmarket OS Community Edition device because they say that Plasma Mobile was considered, but it would have taken twice the effort to make it ready. But you, if you want to use it, you can flash the Plasma Mobile Edition on it if you'd like to try that out instead, uh, which is still cool that you can do these different options. And if you're curious, you can also get... Uh, the Ubuntu Touch in image for the Pine Phone and flash that on as well. You can even do a thing where you can have it on the same. The phone itself has a particular system, and then have an SD card that is bootable, allowing you to have a different system. So you can essentially dual boot the phone, which is very very cool. And they're even working on making it even easier and more more options to have more multi boot stuff. So that's very cool. And if you're if you heard about that, you know it's kind of interesting that Purism's Fosh system is work is going to be on the pine phone and i think that's kind of interesting because purism themselves are not doing that it's being done by the postmarket os team which is uh kind of yeah anyway i'm not a big fan of purism so moving on the device will come with basic smartphone functionality like phone calls sms mobile data and wi-fi uh the, there's going to be a brand new on-device installer uh, they, there's going to have full disk encryption, which is really cool. It will ask for the password to use on the first boot, and this is really, really cool. The uh, I think it's the only, I don't know if Ubuntu Touch has full disk encryption. I don't think it does. I'm pretty sure it doesn't. So I guess this is like a, kind of like one of the only non-Android phones that has full disk encryption, which is pretty cool. And uh, this, they say that the stability for it though is uh, it's in a beta state, so it's for Linux enthusiasts only. So according to Postmarket OS, they say that there are too many bugs to provide a reasonable user experience. We will fix as much as we can over the next few weeks until the device is shipped to everyone who has pre-ordered. So it's not necessarily like ready for mainstream appeal, but it is good for Linux enthusiasts who are okay with trying out the beta stuff, which I'm okay with. And another thing that's cool that is if you didn't get a chance to get the previous edition of the Ubuntu uh, of the uh, Ubuntu Touch, but of the uh, post uh, the Pine Phone with Ubuntu Touch, or you didn't get it like a you know that you didn't get a chance to get the Braveheart edition or whatever. Like if you didn't get a chance, you can get this edition and also install Ubuntu Touch if you want to or whatever. You don't have to use Postmarket OS as like what comes with it if you want to try out other things. But it's really cool that they're having all these different community editions because they're working with all these different projects to make the Pine Phone compatible with everything. And I think that is fantastic. And I also love the fact that all of these community editions have their own custom case. So if you're a fan of the Postmarket OS team, you can get a branded case that has their logo on the back. And I think you can get you can just buy the cases at some point. They, I think they said they were going to make that possible. I don't know when you can do that, but 
I think that's really cool that they're doing it because I kind of want all of the cases just on principle to kind of give some, let them know that we appreciate that they're doing that. Uh, but anyway, if you were interested in Pine Phone and you didn't get a chance to get the community edition for Ubuntu Touch and you still want to get a Pine Phone, you can get one through the PauseMarket OS and then do whatever you want with it. So pre-orders pre are starting early July 2020, so just next month. And also the cost will be exactly the same, $150 plus shipping. And uh, $10 uh, for it will be donated of the of the cost will be donated to Postmarket OS for each phone. And if you're not a, you're not aware of this, the $10 that they're donating is the $10 profit that they make on the phone. So Post Pine 64 is awesome and super uh, uh, like amazing. It, it, they, they they amaze me every time I talk about them because they do these things. Not only they're making a a really slick looking phone looks like a high quality phone very cheap cost, like all this stuff and the money that they get in profit because it costs them $140 to make it and they're selling it for $150. So they're making a $10 profit and then they're taking the $10 and donating it to the project they're doing the addition with. That is crazy. Like that is awesome. And I, I respect the Pine64 team so much because of that. It is it's just, it's just very cool. And if you'd like to learn more about the Postmarket OS Community Edition, or the PinePhone in general, I have links in the show notes below. So let's do some housekeeping for the community and the show overall. So first of all, let's talk about FrontPageLinux.com. Have you heard about FrontPageLinux.com? Well, if you haven't, then you should totally check it out because it is a great new website that we at the Destination Linux Network launched to provide news stories, articles, tutorials, videos, and many more. And also, frontpagelinux.com is an awesome website because anyone can submit content to it and perhaps have it featured on the website. So it's like a news tutorial article site with the open source philosophy attached to it. So if you want to publish something on it, all you have to do is submit it to us and we'll review it to see if it is can be added to the to the website. And you also could add more content if you if you do like just to contribute to the FPL. You do like that experience. You can do it on a more regular basis as available to a lot of people. And we've already had many people from the community. So many cool people from the community have started submitting to Front Page Linux and have become regular contributors. Like you can check out Eric Londo's uh, Linux Plus Plus web magazine, webazine. I don't know what to call that, but... That's the thing he has. Linux Plus Plus is a really cool thing because there's so many different great articles inside of that uh, webazine that is posted weekly. You could check out the latest one where he had an interview with Cassidy James from the Elementary OS team. And also we have Mario Gaspari has published a great article about how to in easily install Jack Audio thanks to the Ubuntu Studio installer, including uh, some more stuff that's coming related to Pulse Audio and Pulse Effects and a lot of other stuff. Ryan Walter published a video tutorial showing you how to set up a website for free using Hugo, a static site generator, and GitLab pages. And there's so much more there. You should definitely check it out. I'll have links in the show notes below for frontpagelinux.com as well as the articles and stuff that I have mentioned in this particular piece. And speaking of Destination Linux Network stuff, there's also the Destination Linux podcast, which I am a co-host of, and it is a fantastic show. I am not biased in any way. It is just complete observational fact that is true. So 
If you like, you want to check out some really great content, then check out episode 178 of Destination Linux, where we discuss something I think can be very intrigued by, and that is the main topic for the episode, Everyone Should Use Ubuntu Studio, and we explain why we say that. And you should definitely check it out if you're interested in that, because there's a lot of great stuff in that episode as well, but that is a big topic on the, on the episode. And in Destination Linux 177, the big topic for that episode, we talk about our favorite hardware to use on Linux, and I ask a question about communities. I asked a question to the community about monitor arms and whether you should use a monitor arm that is a single monitor for or a like I want to do monitor arms where it's more flexible so I can do like spin my monitors for a vertical not like spin it like a fidget spinner but more spin it in the sense of doing a portrait mode or landscape mode depending on when I need it right now my setup has a monitor stands that while I have a multi-monitor stand, it's not really flexible to kind of do that. So I'm kind of thinking about, like, should I get a monitor arm that has three independent arms attached to the one base? Or should I get three individual monitor arms that allow me to have more flexibility? I don't know which one is a better option through price or just stability and flexibility and all that stuff. So if you have an opinion, that's the kind of to- that was the topic that I mentioned. Although feel free to share that to the you know, the comments of this video because I just asked here too. So anyway, moving on, Destination Linux 176 is another great episode to check out because we give our opinions on what the best beginner distros are. So you definitely need to check that out. And we also have 175. And because if, if, if interviews are more your thing, you can check out that episode because we interview Marius and Dalton of UbiPorts about Ubuntu Touch, Lomiri Interface, Pine64, like Pine Phones, Pine Tabs, and so much more. So check out 178, 77, 176, and 175 if you want some more great content from me, I guess. And if you appreciate all the great content from me, then maybe you'd like to contribute to the show. So if you'd like to help make this show possible, then consider becoming a patron of Tux Digital. By becoming a patron, you're directly helping me finance the creation of this show, as well as all the other content that I create on this channel, which might seem like not as much as I would normally want it to be, but that is changing this week. A new video is coming out this week, guaranteed, so be sure to check that out. And you can also, uh, by the way, it's going to be related to the Mint versus Snaps thing. I think that would be a very intriguing video, so be sure to subscribe if you haven't. Uh, And you also can get special awards like joining me for a monthly patrons chat, also uh, other things like early access to videos, just uh, be able to vote on different topics that I'll be covering in the channel for more video for the like the different like big I'm going to do I'm trying something new for Tux Digital and the idea is I'm going to do some more casual videos that are you know trying to make them quicker to make so I can make more content but also still have some videos that are like super in-depth research like the the mint versus snap thing is pretty well researched and also another one that's coming out which is a Firefox uh, container tabs extension video, which is also heavily researched. So, and I'm and like well prepared and that kind of thing. So, I'm gonna do like occasionally those sprinkled down with other kinds of videos. So, doing some like uh, polls on the patrons uh, chat, patron systems like Patreon and sponsors where people can vote on what will be the next 
extensively researched uh, uh, video in any way. And if you're wanting to be participating in that, you can do so along with the other awesome 85 patrons of Tux Digital. And to all of those people, I just want to thank you so much for helping me create this content. It is very important to me to be able to do this, and I, I can't thank you enough. It is amazing that you're making it possible for me to do all this. So thank you. Thank you very much. And um, yeah, I don't know how, I don't, I really can't express how much I appreciate it, but hopefully you understand um, as much, like to some degree, I don't know. It's hard to say, but thank you again for making it possible for me to make this content. And yeah, let's get to the rest of the content. Up next in the show, we got some distro news from Elementary OS. First of all, we get the latest release of Elementary OS, which is 5.1.5. And they say that 5.1.5 brings a major change to, the, to reduce unnecessary user authentication through App Center. So if you want to install updates, now you don't re- are not required to use administrator priv- permission. Even for the flat packs that are installed as user apps, you don't need to you don't need any user authentication for that, which is really interesting. Uh, they've also made some improvements to the file manager app. So they have received two key updates, they say. And if they, that, like, this is, this is how they describe it. If you copy and paste images into other applications, that instead of just uh, pasting the file path, it will instead paste the image directly. Uh, and now it also allows you to view the image file size and the in the files app more quickly and easily and displays the file information overlay in the list view so you can get more details more quickly. Also, they've done a lot of bug fixes and enhancements overall, but I think the biggest news so far right now for elementary is the news about some laptops that will be shipping with elementary by default. So elementary said it makes uh, this doing this makes elementary OS more gettable, which is interesting phrasing. And they say that it's a small team, but this making it possible to use OEM partners to make hardware with pre-installed elementary OS. So for example, they have two in this particular announcement. First of all, there is a company from the Netherlands called Laptop with Linux. I had heard about it before, but not that much related. So uh, it's interesting that they have that's the company that they went with, one of them anyway. And they have several laptops from 14-inch to 7.3-inch displays. They have mini desktops like NUC type stuff. And the the uh, Peter from the laptop Linux laptop with Linux said the switch to Linux can often be a very big one. Unfortunately, Elementary OS is one of the most visually attractive and user friendly Linux based operating systems, and our customers often choose it when making the switch. He goes on to say, without projects such as Elementary OS, the por- the proportion of Linux users would never grow. We are therefore very excited to offer Elementary OS on our laptops and mini computers and give something back to Elementary with every sale, which is very very cool also in addition to laptops uh, with linux they have a deal with star labs to get elementary os on their stuff star labs is based in the uk and it's they have a different a couple of options they have a laptop that's a 11 inch display and another one that's 13.3 inch display we talked about star labs before during a manjaro announcement uh, so it's really cool that they're doing all this stuff with all these com- these companies are doing this work with these different distributions. Very awesome to have those as a defaults. And the technical project lead at Star Labs, Sean Rhodes, said we are exciting to team up. We're excited to team up with Elementary for the Elementary OS now is now available on our laptops. With the OS being light, clean, and visually stunning, they break the boundaries for Linux going forward. The combination of Elementary OS and the laptop MK or Mark IV creates the ultimate open source experience out of the box. 
So this is pretty cool. And they're also in talks with more additional OEMs to get elementary OS on those laptops as well, which is pretty cool because the more the more easy it is to get started, like if someone buys a computer and it comes with it built in, that is a much better uh, approach to getting people on it because it's a lot easier to, so they don't have to do any extra efforts. They just buy the laptop and it has it there. So that's the more and more companies that have that and the more and more projects and distros that are available is better for Linux overall as an ecosystem. So I'm happy to see this news from elementary OS coming out. And if you'd like to learn more about this, I'll have a link to it in the show notes below. Up next in the show is a really, really awesome tool called Native Fire. So Native Fire makes it possible to create a desktop app with basically any web page. So this is really cool. It's a command line tool that it is, allows you to easily create the desktop application by running a command and some configuration stuff where it's, it, does, it allows you a little bit of configuration, but it doesn't really need that much. But what is cool is that it wraps these apps inside of an electron and it creates a package that allows you to do executable stuff. It works on uh, Linux, Mac, and Windows if you want to use it for those, whatever. But I, I use it for Linux, obviously. And another cool thing that allows you to, what it gives you options is like you can automatically retrieve the icon and app name just by running the URL, like use the command, put the URL, and it gives it to you. And it kind of creates it all for you. And it's really simple to use once you have it installed. It does require NPM and or Node.js to get it installed. So you have to do some little issues to jump around that. Uh, but it has ability to inject uh, JavaScript and CSS if you want to change the way that the apps look or uh, introduce some special customization options like for example in a combination of JavaScript and CSS you could like add your own custom menu to the apps or whatever you want to do I've done that myself or that's why I gave the example uh, when I was using certain uh, applications I made it possible to uh, inject my own menu that was a custom menu through JavaScript and CSS modifications which is very very cool so you just tell it what file to use that you have made for that particular app and you can also have you can use the automatic icon retrieval or you can do custom icons so you can have your own uh, source fo folder for icons or whatever and you could tell it what to use and it will automatically create this package in a tarball form so it's a single fo folder that has a binary option you just launch the binary bam you got a desktop of that web app and it, it doesn't work for everything but it works for a lot of stuff and it's very very cool and anytime you want to do an update you just run the command again and if you need to anyway and it is it's a very cool option to be able to create your own electron apps in a much simpler way than the process of what it normally takes learning how to build electron really so it's a really cool application it's called native fire if you want to check it out i'll have a link to it in the show notes below and i also will probably make a video demonstrating how it works because I'm explaining what it can do, but to show you exactly how it works is a very, it's not something that can fit in this episode. So if you're interested in that, please let me know uh, in the comments below, and I will make go ahead and make that. So yeah, if you want me to make a video explaining how Natifier works and how to, the intricacies of it, I've been using it for like a year or so, maybe more than that. I don't remember. And um, yeah, let me know in the comments below, and let's get to the next topic. Up next in the show is the latest release of Strawberry, which is a music player. This, So if you've not heard of it, Straw, Strawberry is a music player and music collection organizer, which is forked from the Clementine Project, and it was started in 2018. And it, they say that it's aimed at music collectors and audiophiles. It's written in C++ using the Qt5 framework. 
So there's a lot of different cool features in Strawberry. The latest release that we're talking about here is 0.6.12. So first of all, to get it out of the way, update your versioning system to stop using zero first. That's not, please don't do that. I talked about in a previous video about why that's not a good idea. And I'll have a link to a website devoted to why it's a bad idea. So yeah, it just basically means that people look at it as being a beta project. So if you want it to look like it's actually being developed and people should try it out, you know, use a versioning system that does not start with zero, please. Moving on from that. So the features in, in Strawberry are really cool. I mean, if you're looking at the visual, the website is not, um, there's a little bit to be desired there, but the actual application is very powerful. So uh, the features include, you know, organizing and playing music, of course, supports for basically everything that is important, like va uh, Wave, FLAC, uh, wave pack, uh, DSF, AUG files, AUG Vorbis, MP3s, MP4s even, and a bunch of other stuff like ASF and etc. So it also has audio CDback, uh, audio CD, audio CD playback is what I was trying to say. It has support for desktop notifications. It has uh, playlists in multiple formats. It has a lot of different cool stuff like being able to edit tags on music files or even fetch tags from Music Brains. It can get album cover art from Last.fm, uh, Music Brains, Discogs, Music Match, Deezer, Tidal, a bunch of stuff like uh, Q Quobas, I never even heard of that one, Spotify, and more. Uh, get song lyrics from uh, Oddie. Oddy, I don't know what that is. Genius, Music Match, Chart Lyrics, Lyrics.ovh, and LoloLyrics.com. Like lots of cool stuff that's integrated with different services. Uh, support for multiple backends. Has an audio analyzer and equalizer. You can transfer music from a or to a iPod, iPhone, uh, MTP via MTP, which is the tr the tr protocol to you know to send to a Android phone. Uh, also, you can send files to a USB player, like an MP3 player, and it has support for scrobbling. So if you want to send data, like keep track of what you're listening to and how often you listen to it, that sort of thing, you can use the Last.fm service or Listen Brains or even Libre.fm service, as well as support for streaming through Subsonic and Tidal, which is pretty cool because Tidal is a service that originally when I... Uh, I first heard about Tidal. It was like, yeah, okay, it's a competitor to Spotify, but why do I care? And the quality of the music is why you care. Like, it's much higher quality uh, streaming. Uh, like, the, the, you get not only do you get access to higher quality uh, versions of it, you can even get access to the masters of those individual songs. So you have like the best quality you possibly can get through a streaming service, and Tidal makes that possible. So I've been using Tidal more so than anything else now these days. And having the ability to integrate uh, Strawberry through Tidal is very, very cool because the only thing I don't like about Tidal is that I can't listen to my local files. So being able to combine my local files and Tidal through Strawberry is something super, super interesting to me. I haven't done that yet because I just realized this week that they have that option. So I'm letting you know based on this latest updates of all the different features and all this, all that stuff that I... I'm also going to be trying this out and I will let you know in a future episode or maybe a video about it and like my experience with strawberry, you know, depending on what, if you, if you're interested in that, let me know in the comments below and I'll make one about that as well. But yes, yeah, strawberry is pretty cool based on Clementine. Clementine was also a really good ed uh, music player, but it didn't have a lot of support in terms of like development, very active at all. And even for a couple of years, it was kind of not having releases at all for I think three years or something. So I was really happy to see strawberry. And now the fact that they have title streaming support, very interested. Also it's available as an app image. 
which is fantastic. And like I said, anytime an application provides an app image or a snap or a flat pack, I am super happy about that. So yeah, and if you want to know why I'm super happy about that, I'll be making a video, probably not this week, but maybe next week, about the universal app formats, why they're important, why they need to exist, and why I'm happy they do. So be sure to subscribe to the channel for that. There you go. Strawberry Music Player, if you want to learn more about it, I'll have a link to it in the show notes below. Up next in the show and the last topic for this week is affiliate links that help this show news. Specifically, a bunch of Humble Bundles. So, uh, first of all, we have some game uh, game bundles. We have a lot of ebook bundles. We're going to talk about like the technology essentials for business and secure your stuff bundles and all, all sorts of stuff. But first of all, we're going to talk about the Humble Codemasters Bundle 2020, which has a bunch of games, including a lot of native games. So it has uh, Grid Autosport, Overlord 2, Dirt Rally, Dirt 4, and all four of these are native. There's also some DLC packs you can get for, for these that are also supporting on Linux. And you can check out the other games that are all basically, they all support Linux in some way thanks to Proton, which by the way, Proton is amazing. So Proton, there's two games that are platinum rated. That's the Operation Flashpoint Dragon Rising and F1 2019. There's also F1 2018 that has a gold rating. And Dirt Rally 2.0 and Toy Box Turbos also have a gold rating on Proton DB. And we're going to jump to now the book bundles. We have a lot of those. There's actually five of those. So first of all, we have Technology Essentials for Business by Manning Publishings. So you, they say that you can learn everything you've ever wanted to know about Technology Essentials for Business with this book bundle from Manning Publishings. Get essential ebooks like getting pro, Get Programming, Build a Career in Data Science, Web Design Playground, Hello Raspberry Pi, Hello Scratch, and more. There's also another book bundle for securing your stuff by the A-Press company. They say that uh, like you can get these books for securing Office 365, Firewalls Don't Stop Dragons, Practical Cyber Forensics, Cybersecurity for Space, Personal Cybersecurity, and Open Source Intelligent Methods and Tools. Plus, you get a bunch of other stuff. And there's every every single one. I'm not going to be able to cover every book that's in all these ebook bundles because there's like dozens in each one. So I'm just giving you like the bigger ones that are you know, maybe more known, and also some that are just fun, like Firewalls Don't Stop Dragons. I like that as a name for a book. But anyway, moving on, we have another one that is uh, Boredom Busters by Abrams and Chronicles Books. This is interesting because they say this is to cure your boredom with this book bundle because it's not just books. It's also kind of like self-help stuff. It's and also things to like just learn random things like uh, they say one is a, it's a way to learn origami, and they have a strange case of the origami Yoda, uh, pasta by hand, a collection of Italy's regional hand-shaped pasta, let's learn Japanese, first words for everyone, and a bunch of other stuff. So I'll have links to that in the show notes. And also there's two more. We have Digital and Wireless Networks by Taylor and Francis. Learn everything you need to know about digital and wireless networks with our latest book bundle by Taylor and Francis. Get eBooks like Wi-Fi, Enabled Healthcare, the Internet of Things in the Cloud, Image Encryption, Mobile Telemedicine, and more. They also have the last one, which is Geek Today, Boss Tomorrow. That's a fun title for the book bundle. And this allows you to get uh, like self-help books. They have first, it has uh, Guts, Find Your Greatness, Beat the Odds, Live with, From Passion, Great Work, Great Career, uh, How to Create your, the ult, your Ultimate Job and Make an Extraordinary Contribution, Corporate Survival Guide for, the, for Your 20s, which interesting, I wish I had that. 
And uh, there's also a lot of other things, like it's a guide to help you navigate the business world and uh, many other books. Uh, there's also other bundles that I didn't list here because, well, they don't have as many days available. There's a couple that are pretty cool that only have like a couple hours left, depending on when you watch this video. So I didn't want to like put it, like, get like put it forefront. But if you want to check those out too, I'll have links to those in the show notes below as well as the, all of the other ones. So lots of hum, humble bundles to check out. If you're interested in any of these, please use the links below in the show notes because these are affiliate links. Like I said in the beginning, that if you do use them, you can send a percentage to of the purchase to tux digital to buy to help make this show possible so uh, just consider if you do want to get anything from humble bundle use those links below and if you want to do it at any time whether i cover it on the show or not i'll have a link to how you can go to just directly to humble bundle uh, main page with a affiliate link from tux digital and this podcast if you'd like to do that in the future i have a link that as well you could bookmark that if you want to but all of these links below in addition to that will be links directly to these bundles so yeah and please if you are interested in any of these please use those links below because it does help out the channel and yeah so links in the show notes Thanks for watching this episode of This Week in Linux. If you like what I do here on the show, please like that smash button and be sure to subscribe. And also be sure to ring that bell to get notifications for the next episode of This Week in Linux. And if you'd like to support the Tux Digital channel, we have multiple ways to contribute via PayPal, Patreon, sponsors, and many more. You can learn more by going to tuxdigital.com contribute. And by contributing, you not only get to be able to directly help finance the creation of this show, but you also get some rewards like early access to stuff and even voting on different polls about new content I'm going to make. All sorts of things. You can check out the links in the show notes and, the, and going or going to duckshield.com slash contribute to see all the different rewards and stuff that you get by becoming a patron. Or you can also order the, the Linux is Everywhere t-shirt by going to destinationlinux.network slash store. The Linux is Everywhere t-shirt is a shirt that I designed that is showing Tux blending into the background to convey the message that whether you know Linux is there or not, it probably is. So if you'd like to get one of these Linux is Everywhere shirts, like the one I'm sporting right now, you can go to destinationlinux.network slash store, or if you want a shorter URL, you can go to tuxdigital.com slash store. And we also have ways to contribute without any cost to you by using our affiliate links. You can find links for places like Amazon, Private Internet Access, Humble Bundle, and many more by going to tuxdigital.com slash affiliates. And if you like some more podcasting goodness from me, then check out the latest episode of Destination Linux as I'm a co-host of that show. And also be sure to check out Hardware Addicts as I'm a co-host of that show as well. More, I'm more of a you know comic relief on Hardware Addicts because I'm not much of a hardware person, but you should definitely check it out because it is definitely worth uh, listening because you might learn a lot of stuff about hardware. That's the reason I'm on the show because I wanted to learn more about hardware and it is a great opportunity for that. So if you'd like to check out more about hardware, go to hardwareaddicts.org. And if you'd like to check out all the other content that's available in the Destination Linux network, go to destinationlinux.network. So yeah, again, thanks for watching this episode of, De of This Week in Linux. I'm Michael Tanell of Tux Digital and the Destination Linux Network. And as always, keep using, learning, and enjoying Linux. And I'll see you next week for another episode of your weekly source, Linux Good News. <laughs>